Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50% to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. This is Paige, the co-host of Giggly Squad, and I want to tell you about a company that I've been loving, Olive & June. Olive & June gives you everything that you need for a salon-quality manicure in one box. And if you break it down, it really comes out to $2 a manicure, which is absolutely insane. It's also so easy to get salon-worthy nails at home with Olive & June. The difference between how your nails used to look when you did them yourself and now with the Manny system is a complete game changer. The best thing about Olive & June, too, is it's a quick dry. It dries in about one minute, lasts for five days, and full coverage in up to one to two coats. Visit oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. That's oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. Mom deserves better than a drugstore card. This Mother's Day, surprise her with a truly special personalized card from Moonpig. Add your favorite photos, a heartfelt message, and we'll even mail it for you the same day, all for just $5. From mom to grandma, we have something to celebrate every mom in your life. Every mom deserves a Moonpig card. Get 50% off your first card at Moonpig.com. Moonpig.com when you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hey guys, it's Candice, and we thought we would have it all figured out by the time we were in our 30s. Surprise, we don't! Nope, we don't. Well, we have some things figured out. We just don't have everything figured out, but we're slowly working on it one podcast episode at a time. And today, have I got a treat for you? I'm going to be honest, this is more of a treat for me. I am freaking out. <sighs> I am a child of MTV. I watched so much MTV when I was a kid. I watched every single music video, making of the music videos. I mean, this was like the 90s and the early aughts. This was prime time for like MTV celebrity pop star rock star culture and a formative figure within that world was Suchin Pak and that's who we are speaking with today. I'm freaking out. If you don't know who she is, then you're 
you're just a very young person and I'm having to realize I'm just a little older than maybe some of the youth that might be listening to this podcast. Soochin Pak has spent more than two decades in the spotlight, most notably during her tenure as an MTV news reporter in the early thousands. Since leaving her MTV news correspondent job, Pak has reported on ABC, NBC, Discovery Networks, Oxygen, and E. Most recently, she's become a co-host of the podcast Add to Cart and contributed the introduction to MTV Books, My Life Growing Up Asian in America. Without further ado, here is my interview with Suchin Pak. Well, I feel like I just need to jump right in because I'm having like a full on out of body experience. I feel like it's like the early thousands and I've just like rushed home from school and I'm like got MTV on. Oh, that's I mean, you basically lived like a a dream of mine, which would have been working at MTV in the early thousands. And I know we'll get way into like, you know, more of the day to day and kind of what was going on behind the scenes later in this interview. But I just need some just like good on full on MTV important gossip news uh, from that time period. Like, who was your crush? Who were you excited to see? You know, did you ever make out with some, like, hot boy band member that we do not know about? Like, I need some good MTV gossip just to kick us off. That's funny. I mean, definitely did no make making out. You know, by the time I was there, how old was I? Like, I think I started when I was probably 25 or 26. And that was, like, full-on, like, boy band era. I mean, how old were they? They were like 12, but 19 yeah. or 20, but 12, <laughs> really. Yeah. Yes. As you know, I was a mature woman. So there was n- none of that shenanigans. But I was trying to think, you know, you know, it's funny thinking and seeing who's in the news now mm-hmm. and who keeps popping up. I mean, they're still the same people, right? It's still Kanye. It's still Jay-Z. It's still Beyonce. I mean, it's it's even Travis Barker, you know? Yeah. <laughs> like, Who would have thought? I know. These Who people have such, such long and many lives. So, you know, I mean, uh, all those all those folks, you know, I, I probably caught them either at their first album or just as they were breaking through, you know, or at the height, right? And so now it's funny to see all these kind of you know, musicians that I've interviewed, you know, when they were messier and, you know, less put together. And now they're all having kids and reality shows. But yeah, I don't know. I was, I have always been, will always be, was born a 95 year old nerd. Um, That's my soul. That's, that's what lives inside of me. So it was it was so fun and and I do have stories but nothing crazy over the top. You know, I wish I had that like that Madonna Courtney Love moment that is oh, on replay God. in everybody. I mean, every once in a while I love just pulling up like some like messy early odds, you know, good MTV news gossip because it just lives on forever. Like that moment of the throwing of the makeup for any like youth that aren't that aware of what we're talking about, please just Google this. It is Madonna and Courtney Love and just say MTV Video Music Awards interview and you'll just be delighted by what you see. It's a wild time. It is a wild time. So it was it was it was a wild time, but it was also really fun. And like you said, it was a lot of, you know, big boy band times and, you know, it was Britney Spears and Christina Aguilera. So there was also very much like, I wouldn't want to say sanitized version, but a very candy coated version 
of MTV when I was there too. Like, I feel like before me, when it was like Kurt Loder, you know, it was like a lot more rock and roll. Like when I, I came, I feel like it was like pop music. Yeah. Yeah. I remember just walking by TRL when I was like 12 years old in New York for the first time. And Weezer was playing that day and just being like, this is crazy. But it's like, you know, and even Weezer was like too rock for me. Like I was such a pop child. But just just this prime time. I mean, even Melissa, our producer, and I were talking before getting on the mic about, you know, we'd run home, you'd watch TRL and just to see the same music videos every single day. And then all and these like incredible news pop ins, you know, kind of what like E does now. They've kind of taken over like what the celebrity gossip pop ins within their programming of kind of sharing what has been going on that day. But at that point, it wasn't just like celebrity gossip it was world news as well it it just it just was such a looking back it was more well-rounded programming than I think any of us really appreciated it for yeah it's so hard for your young listeners to even I mean I think that to even really young listeners you have to even explain what MTV is yeah You know what I mean? Like, no, it's not the same. And it's not ubiquitous. You know, like you said, you know, if you were a young person, you know, before, I don't know, 20, I don't know, what do you want to say? Like 2016, 2017, maybe even later. But yeah, I mean, it was MTV. That was it. Yeah. You know, there was there was no Twitter. There was no Instagram. There was no iPhone, really, you know. There was like maybe YouTube towards the end, you know what I mean? Like in the way that we know it. So so there was really only one source, which is which is it feels so archaic and it feels so old, but it really was. And TRL was a live daily show that everyone in the world, certainly everyone in this country, because it was live broadcast here, would come home from school. You would turn it on. And if you missed it, you missed it. You missed it. That's there was it. no recording. You, there's yet. no recording. You know, it's like SNL now. I, I can't tell you the last time I saw it live. I just, you know, the next, you know, Monday, I'm like, all right, what happened? What? Let me see the skits and the performance. But, you know, live TV, even that concept. So there's just so much of it that it's it's so weird, right? It's a, it's a time capsule. Yeah. You know, you can't even say, oh, it's so different now. No, it just doesn't exist now. It doesn't. No, yeah. no. Because yeah. that would have been more live based television where now what's bizarre in scripted TV is I feel like people are watching things for the first time and, and like you can go back and rewatch a Dawson's Creek or, you know, mm-hmm. anything like that from the 90s. But, you know, but you cannot go back and just binge watch TRL Thank in the God. same way. I know. <laughs> Thank God. Or just any other MTV programming. But I want to let's bring it like way, yes. way back. Way, of yes. course, way, way back. Way, let's. Let's Stop the get gossip. there. Yes. Yeah. So you were born in Seoul. Mm-hmm. And you moved to you guys, you and your family moved to California outside of San Francisco when you were five years old. Yeah. Correct. Yeah. And it, you've had such an incredible trajectory to get to the point where you found yourself as this young girl living in New York City, all of a sudden thrust into like this primetime televi- television role journalism. Can you was this a dream of yours from a very young age? Is this something that you like had on, you know, a, a collage on your on your notebook? I used to do that when I this is what we also did back in the early aughts. We didn't have TikTok. So we made a lot of collages. 
in the 90s. So many notebooks. Yeah, so many 90s notebooks. (laughs) I mean, no, like you said, like I was born in Korea. I I mean, I I grew up here in America. I have almost no memory of Korea. But but I grew up in the East Bay, which is very different from San Francisco. You know, the East Bay is predominantly all immigrant communities, all, you know, communities of color, like definitely where I grew up in Union City. It was its own you know, culture, you know, and, and to say that from that, that you dared to be anything that was out of what you sort of knew traditionally, you know, doctor, lawyer, teacher, engineer, there just wasn't even, there, there wasn't even a point of reference for that. So for me, I started in TV when I was really young, just by chance. I was volunteering for this program at high school and then the local news channel interviewed some of the kids. And when a producer decided to launch like a weekly Saturday teen show, and she wanted to cast just like normal teens, she remembered my interview and was like, oh, let's get, you know, let's see if 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 that girl is interested. And I, I you know, I remember my first day we did what, well, you know, it's called a stand-up, you know, where you introduce a piece. And I did it on my high school campus because I was still in school. And so they'd have to come after school and we would shoot. And they handed me a microphone and they had to tell me, okay, so this is a microphone and, and this is where you speak into. And you're going to stand here and I'm going to give you a piece. I mean, they had to walk me through every step. Like it was a foreign language, a foreign land. Like it wasn't one of those things where I had seen someone do it. Where would I have seen that? Yeah. If there was no internet. I mean, yeah. where would I have seen someone that looked like me, that was my age, that looked like who I looked like, that came from where I came from, doing what I was doing in that moment. You know, somebody had to actually physically walk me through the process of this is how you read to camera, you know? And so it was with just one of those things. And and I never, you know, it wasn't until I moved to New York. And even though I had been working pretty much in TV, not full time, but like, you know, on the side, I always thought that it would end. And then when it would end, I would go to law school because that's just what you did and have a normal life. Like this thing, I was like, this is a fluke. It's great. I'm going to ride it till it's done. And then I'm going to go back to my, you know, the regular, literally scheduled programming. Like this is not my life. And it really wasn't until I moved to New York. And by that point, I'd been doing TV for 10 years that I was like, oh, should I do this? You know, question mark, like, huh. Gee, it's the only thing that I really want to do. It's the thing that's paying me the most. It's the thing that's the most fun. And it's the thing I'm working hardest at for 10 years. Should I do this? And and so that's how it came to me pretty late, I think, I feel like. You obviously loved it. Even if you had that little voice in the back of your head, like, ah, oh, well, this is just temporary for now. I mean, obviously, there was a part of you that clicked right in and was like, oh, let's go. Yeah, I, yeah. I love this. Yeah. Yeah. Especially when you're that young, too, because I think that uh, it's all on instinct. You know, it's not you don't have there's no real way to like intellectualize it. Also, because I didn't know what it was and I kept coming back to it, I think shows me now as an, you know, as a grown adult that like, oh, yeah, there must have been something there that instinctually I really loved. And I don't think it was 
and it still isn't in front of the camera. Like I, I, I don't love that aspect of it, but there's something about being in a newsroom. There's something about being the first to know, you know, there's something about all of that, the speed of it, the rush of it, you know, it, it just, it, it was unlike anything I had ever experienced or had ever seen anyone else around me experience. So it was just like, it was like a roller coaster ride. Like there are parts of the roller coaster ride that you hate and you close your eyes and your stomach is in your throat. And then there are parts of the roller coaster ride that you love, you know? And so it's a little bit of both, but all of it is a rush. And that's what my entire time in front of, you know what I mean? Like that's what it felt like. What did your parents say when you were young? Like pre-New York, were your parents just like, oh, well, you're doing great now. But event, like, did they also see you going back to law school? I mean, post-New York. Or going to law school? Even if- fully, fully. What are you talking about? Like, they're still trying to get you to apply right now. Uh, yeah. <laughs> Tw- I was 25 when I got to MTV. They're like, listen, you know, <laughs> Dr. Kim's daughter. She thought she was going to be an engineer. She's a dentist. You can... It's it can happen. I want to say probably until I was like 32. I felt like some something like into my 30s, like even at 30, they were like, you still could do it. You'd be 34 when you get out. You know, they were doing the math mm-hmm. and it still worked out OK. But for some reason, you know, just when I got into my 30s, they're like, oh, now we have to shift gears and get this girl married. You know what I mean? <laughs> like now we're at that point where she is un. Marryable, and that to my parents <laughs> it was, you know what I mean. Like they could let the law school go, but they wanted grandkids. So anyway, so you know, my parents are so old school, but also they're not from this country. They don't speak the language. Even when I was on MTV, it's like I would record VHS tapes of my, you know, when when I was on TRL, and I you know, do like maybe a month or two of it, you know, they'd record it. And then they, because they were all little two minute um, segments. And then I would send that VHS tape home. And my parents would play it on their VCR, you know, probably on mute. It's not like they had to, they understood anything I was saying or who I was talking about. Yeah, like exactly. They were they're like, like oh. just gossiping about Justin Timberlake. <laughs> <laughs> they're like, kid rocks in trouble yeah. again. <laughs> you know, like, here we go, that guy. Oh. So, you know, so their context for what my life is, uh, you know, was, it's still, you know, it's it's a lot of trust and a lot of mystery and probably a lot of very much worrying, you know, when they hang up the phone. We're going to take a quick break. We'll be right back in just a minute. Want flexibility? Take yoga. Want flexibility with your health insurance? Check out United Healthcare Insurance Plans. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget friendly medical, dental, and vision coverage that may be right for you. More at uh1.com. If you're looking for plump lips that last, you need to know about Juvederm Lip Fillers. With Juvederm Volbella XC and Juvederm Ultra XC, your lip look, whether it's subtle or bold, can last up to one full year with optimal treatment and no additional maintenance. Find a licensed specialist and see if it's right for you at Juvederm.com today. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Add fullness to lips in adults over 21 with Juvederm Volbella XC or Juvederm Ultra XC. Do not 
not use if you have severe allergies or a history of severe allergic reactions, or if you're allergic to lidocaine or the proteins used in Juvederm. Tell your doctor if you have a history of scarring or taking medicines that decrease the body's immune response or that can prolong bleeding. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. As with all fillers, there's a rare risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. For full, important safety information, visit Juvederm.com. Hey, Dave. Yeah, Randy. Since we founded Bombas, we've always said our socks, underwear, and T-shirts are super soft. Any new ideas? Maybe sublimely soft. Or disgustingly cozy. Wait, what? I got it. Bombas. Absurdly comfortable essentials for yourself and for those facing homelessness. Because one purchased equals one donated. Wow, did we just write an ad? Yes. Bombus. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombus.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. This is Paige, the co-host of Giggly Squad, and I want to tell you about a company that I've been loving, Olive in June. Olive in June gives you everything that you need for a salon-quality manicure in one box. And if you break it down, it really comes out to $2 a manicure, which is absolutely insane. It's also so easy to get salon-worthy nails at home with Olive in June. The difference between how your nails used to look when you did them yourself and now with the Manny system is a complete game changer. The best thing about Olive in June, too, is it's a quick dry. Dries in about one minute, lasts for five days, and full coverage in up to one to two coats. Visit oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. That's oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. It's time to get more in 2024. I know for me, one of my goals is to feel really strong this year. And honestly, so far, so good. Because that's where 310 Nutrition comes in. It's helping me and our listeners in the new year with protein and super rich food products with so many options and flavors. Right now, I have the chocolate bliss and caramel sundae, and they are both so (laughs) delicious. I have to hide them from my husband so that he doesn't steal them too. They're a triplex protein blend, plant-based proteins that include pea, brown rice, and pumpkin that leave me feeling full. 310 Nutrition also has a hydrate electrolyte drink mix. My favorite is the peach mango flavor. So not only am I hydrating and drinking water, I have an electrolyte blend, vitamin blend, and it's sugar-free. With one stick of hydrate mix into 16 ounces of water, and it can provide the same amount of hydration equal to drinking two to three bottles of water. Thank you. This way I can keep my resolution, keep feeling strong, have greater focus, feel refreshed, and maintain my hydration without having to drink as much. One of my favorite refreshing water enhancers they have is the lemonade flavor. It gives me energy. This one's also sugar-free. It's used with real lemons and it's pH balanced. And this also offers the same hydration as two to three bottles of water. Right now, 310 is celebrating a new year of goals with code CHALLENGED and giving our listeners 50% off up to $100 for your first order. With so many sample packs, new products, it's really fun and easy to put together an order or start a subscription on products that you know you'll use and will help you keep your resolution. So go to 310nutrition.com and use the code CHALLENGED right now for 50% up to $100 for your first order. That's 310-nutrition.com and use code CHALLENGED. It's all the good stuff your body needs in flavors you crave. So be healthier effortlessly.
And we're back. Have you been back to Seoul as an adult? Have you traveled much back to South Korea? You know, I I haven't traveled very much. I went back once and it was for MTV. We were doing a shoot and we went back for maybe like a week, which is I would not recommend going back to your home country for the first time on a shoot for a week. It was I didn't do anything. You know, I mean, I worked and then, you know, it was sort of a blur you know, uh, with the jet lag. So I haven't been back. I, I can't even believe I'm saying that. And and we had planned a really big trip and then everything shut down just recently. And this summer was going to be it, but it still feels kind of dicey. So I'm really hoping next summer that I can take my kids and my parents. I mean, how crazy. And, and I have some friends who, you know, also haven't been back. And so we're thinking of doing like a big caravan of families that really haven't had a chance to experience it. And now, you know, I mean, I don't know if you think Korea is cool now, but Korea is cool, you know, compared to (laughs) when I was growing up. I mean, I'm literally having to hold, like, bite my tongue because I I got to go a few years ago and had the best time in my life. You know more than I do, yeah. I mean, but what was so beautiful is even in, beyond just, like, how beautiful the country is, even yeah. though I didn't, we didn't get to go outside of Seoul very yeah. much, but also how big Seoul is and how, and, like, the water and all the bridgeways. It's just beautiful visually, mm. the yeah. city. But even in the airport, there was a a cultural appreciation center where you could go in, if you had kids with you, they could make an arts and crafts. Like it just was just like how like celebrated, like just the South Korean like culture yeah. was like Korean culture was very um, proud. Yeah. Yes. And it was just so such a beautiful way to constantly be introduced to new elements of it beyond Aww. just like the incredible food and everyone like in all the in- fashion and mm-hmm. everyone dancing and singing and performing yeah. in the streets. And I'm also a Korean skincare junkie. So that was yeah, I booked out big... spa appointments like six months ahead of time. Being like, <laughs> OK, I'm going to get your list. Oh, I have an itinerary saved on my yeah, computer. I good. can send you. So I highly like that would be the just I think it's incredible that your parents still after all those years were just, you know, I can see the the culture just so ingrained, just having been to the country that why it's so appreciated and, and celebrated. Yeah. You know, I, you know, when we moved here in 1980, you know, like the 70s, the the 80s, they were rough for Korea. I mean, economically, financially, like, the, it, so, you know, it's interesting because the version of Korea now with the K-pop and the skincare and the food and all of that stuff just did not exist. Like, Korea was not a cool place. Like, if you wanted to go, if you had a vacation, you were going to Paris, you know, you were going to London. Like, these are the places I wanted to travel to. Like, going to Korea, like, this version of Korea is fairly new, you know, especially to, you know, folks like me who were born, you know, in 1975 and moved here during that time. So I'm excited to experience this version of Korea. I'm excited for my parents to experience this version of Korea. They haven't experienced this version of yeah. Korea. They've experienced a version of Korea that's like just trying to, you know, come back after a terrible financial collapse. You know, they they moved because they didn't think that Korea was a viable place to raise children. I mean, it's so, so different now than it is, you know, than it was then. 
Yeah. And, and to, you know, what you were saying at the very beginning of us speaking was that, you know, you moved here when you were five. You don't really remember very much. I, I'm the same. I don't remember things from before I was five years yeah. old. It's <laughs> like anyone who's like, when I was three, I have this vivid memory. I was like, cool, I guess my brain is fried. I don't know. But you obviously like very much grew up in the States. Like you're all American. You, you know, have you are not only all you are working like the American dream job, yes. to, at least me. <laughs> yes. In yes. the right. early aught. And but it's been so beautiful reading your your essay in in the book, My Life Growing Up Asian in America. And so I really want to make sure that we have the time and opportunity to talk on that. And and your time reflecting on your experience working at a network, you know, not specifically to MTV, but just working in journalism as a Korean American. And if you really anticipated what that time in your life was going to be like, this like very strong undercurrent of racism, were you prepared when you were making that move to New York? Did you have those experiences in your 10 years before you'd gotten to New York? Or are you now as an adult looking back and seeing things? in a new light? You know, I think that it's interesting. No, it was always there from the very beginning. And I, you know, talk about it in my essay about how from the very beginning, you know, camera operators were like, can you open your eyes more? Like, is there any way that we could get your eyes to open? Because I can't see your eyes. You look like your eyes are closed. You look very sleepy. Is there a way that we could, you know? And so, you know, when you're 16, 17, you don't see that as racism. I don't even know if a lot of people listening, maybe now it's a little different, but I don't think if you're from a certain generation, that doesn't even qualify as racism. And so, you know, it's these types of, you know, the language now is so different. Even we have a different vocabulary for how we talk about it. I mean, that wasn't even a thing when I was growing up. You know, when you're talking about microaggressions or, you know, unconscious bias, you know, these are all new words that we're learning in the last few years. You know, they weren't available to to me then. And so, From the very beginning, it was like that, you know, and I think in some ways it was inherently built into why I was there. I think in a lot of ways people saw Connie Chung like I did and saw, okay, great. America seems to have embraced one Asian news person. So if you're Asian and you want to be on TV, you can be a news person. You know, it wasn't like well, maybe you want to be the next Susan Sarandon. Oh, I don't know. Maybe you want to be the next, you know, I, you know, Britney Spears. You know, it was like, no, we have an Asian person. We totally see her as this news newswoman. So that's that. If you want to be in front of the camera, that's what it is. So in some ways, it was already there before I even arrived. You know, like that, that slot had been allotted to me and that's where I would fit. And if I didn't want to be in that slot, then... I had to find a different, different way, you know? And so I think from the very beginning and, and so when you're young and you hear these types of things about the shape of your eyes, the shape of your face, the color of your hair, you know, I was experimenting with lots of different colors of hair because I was told that on camera, my hair was soaking up too much light because it was black. And so I had to highlight it and put, you know, so these are kinds of things that you think at the time are helpful suggestions, you know, and so you start to incorporate it. But 
as, as we all know, now looking back, you internalize all of that. And so you grow up with the sense of like, well, what I have and what I'm born with, what I look like is not good enough. So let me have the surgery. Let me dye the hair. Let me, you know, fix the eyelashes, like whatever it is that that you think that they they want the version of you to look like. So I think it was always there. And 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 I guess as I'm sitting here talking about it, you know, I, I've always said that, like, I've never fully been comfortable in front of the camera. You know, I think people do this for a lot of different reasons. And a lot of people do it because they love being on camera. They love the medium. They love, they just love that connection. And for me, that was like the least favorite part of the job. All the other stuff I really loved. And then, and then the moment the camera turned on, it was like that, you know, that drop in the, in the roller coaster. It was like, okay, I just have to get through the drop. And then I get to the fun part you know, which is the loop or which is the, you know, turning the corner. And and I think that now that I'm thinking about it, and I've never really thought about it, but I think subconsciously I always connected the visual appearance of what I look like and that that sort of criticism. It just, I was, I've always been very uncomfortable in front of the camera. And that's where the seed was planted. And so it's a really tough thing to pursue a job where you're in front of the camera and to always feel like that is a place of vulnerability, that's a place of fear, that's a place of judgment. And in a way that I feel, I think everybody feels judged in front of the camera. We all, we all are, you know, we all are visual creatures, but it was, it was sort of a deeper, and I say trauma with the, you know, not the type of trauma where you wake up sort of in the middle of the night. It's the kind that sort of seeps into your bones and it just becomes a part of who you are. And that's also trauma. The little T trauma? Yeah, little T trauma. Little T traumas are are insane. Yeah. They're they'll get you. They'll they'll be with you on your deathbed. You yeah. know? Yeah. Yes. Well, especially I mean, to to lift someone up to be like, Yes, we're putting you in front of the camera and then right when the camera stops rolling, it's like but let us tell you everything that we don't that is wrong with you when you're on camera. You know, it's like, how do you then wait? So you want me on camera, but me being on camera, there's all these things that you don't well, want me to be. You know, also, too, Candace, I always felt like you want me on camera because I'm smart. I can, you know, do my own stories. I can read a prompter. I can be live. I can do all those things. Right. Those are great. Those are great skills. But the thing that I can't fix <laughs> is what my eyes look like and what color my hair is. Do you see what I mean? It was like, it was almost like they were like, oh no, everything is great. It's like, what's the job here? What's the job here? Is the job for me to look like Serena Auchel? Because <laughs> I don't understand what the job is, you know? So it's it's very confusing. And and so it, I still am confused by that. And And I think that there's a lot of reason why I sort of, walked away from it in the traditional sense. Like I just didn't want to sit in that little T trauma every day of my life. Like I just knew that it was so, such a, a dark insidious, like part of my consciousness to always feel inadequate that I was like, I don't want to spend my whole life kind of confronting this day in and day out for, for myself. And also confronting it with other people. Do you know what I mean? Like I sort of realized that it just, I just didn't have, I don't, I did, that's not what I wanted to spend my time doing. 
you know? Well, these are also formative years. I mean, even at 25, we know that, you know, your frontal lobe as a human person, we are not, our brains are not developed until we're 25. This is why we also give so much grace to teenagers, you know? So we need to give grace to ourselves when we're in our early 20s. But when, you know, at the age of 25, you are still, we're all incredibly vulnerable in navigating our self-worth and who we are. And when we are being challenged or asked to, you know, diminish our self-worth or told that it, we are not worthy in certain elements of either our character or our physicality, of course, that's going to be such a weight. Did you find any encouragement or comfort in, I'm sure you had many young girls come up to you and say, thank you. Like, I see you and I see me on the screen and in moments of representation that mattered so much to someone. Did that help comfort any of these times? Yeah. I mean, I think it's interesting because, you know, again, we started off the conversation with talking about this time capsule of a time. You know, when uh, when I was on TV, we didn't have social media. So I had no idea. I had no connection to the audience. So I did my thing and then it was a black box, you know, like I had no idea who was watching. I didn't know if people were inspired by it. I have no idea if they hated it. It was just what it was. And I think that in some ways that's very liberating, especially now. But in a lot of ways, you have absolutely no idea who, what's, you know, how the audience is reacting to what you're doing. And so it really wasn't until kind of as I was leaving MTV and as technology was changing and people were reaching out to me and and that sort of thing that I started to realize like, wow, there's so many people, especially Asian Americans that were so affected and inspired by my time there. But as I was doing it, that really wasn't clear. You know, it wasn't something that, that, that felt real to me. I had, I had, I had glimpses of it, but not in the way that I see it now. Like, Anytime I meet a young Asian American of a certain age, you know, it's like there's that moment of recognition. I mean, it's crazy to me. It's crazy to me that that two minutes on a show, you know, a few times a week could have such an impact on someone's life. Like they, it could change the trajectory of the decisions that they make. You know, I hear from people all the time like, oh, my God, I... I, you know, went into journalism, I screenwriting, you know, art, whatever, because there was someone that looked like me, you know, doing something that had never been done before or was so out of the norm of what our culture accepts of us, both internally, because it's it happens inside first and externally. So that's all sort of wonderful and fantastic to hear. And 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 we talk about how now these days we talk about representation and we talk about visibility and they all it's kind of almost numbing you know those words like we hear it, diversity we hear this all the time like what does that really mean you know it all kind of sounds like ah it's it, it sounds like a pr you know movement but but i was on a show on a cable network for 2 minutes a few times a week and a generation of asian americans have fully pursued things that they would never have pursued. Like imagine if it was two hours in a movie theater. Imagine if it was a library full of books. Imagine if it was six TV shows. Imagine if it was, you know, a hundred TV shows. Imagine if it was in different languages. Like imagine, and this world that we're coming into now, 
is that imagined place. It's not fully there yet, but we're on our way. So the consciousness of, of, of my kids, the generation sort of behind me is so vastly different. And, and that's why representation and visibility matters. Like, like it, it, it changes the trajectory of people's lives and it's nothing less it's as profound as that is. Like I, I really, really, I see it all the time. I hear it all the time. What conversations have you had with your kids? I mean, is there anything that you now see as a parent that conversations that your parents may have had with you that you are now having with your kids? Or do you feel the evolution of the conversation? Well, first of all, I'm married to uh, a lovely Jewish man from Jersey. And so my kids are half Jewish and half Korean. So that's a whole other, right? I mean, talk about a trip when you're raising kids that don't really look like you, you know, like it, it was, a, it was, a, it was interesting. Like as a baby, you know, when I was giving birth and I was like, wow, that person does not look anything like me or my husband, in fact. So I think that you know, they'll have sort of identity issues that feel very different than when when I grew up. I mean, I I, I, it, I grew up in such a different environment, you know, it's like just it's it's a different planet. So in some ways, I think parenting can be very daunting when I think about how I, I, I have such trouble relating to my kids sometimes. And then on the other hand, it is very freeing because I don't have a I don't have something to follow. It's like, I think this is how to do it. And it just is the way, you know, I make these decisions sort of with as much freedom as I want, because I don't have any version of myself that's saying, no, you know, that's not going to work out. So it's a little bit of both. But I think my kids, you know, they're they're eight and 10. And, you know, when all this was happening in the past few years and, and you know, there have been days and weeks where, you know, I'm just crying and I'm not getting out of bed and we're all stuck in this house together. So it's not like I can do that while they're at school. And, you know, having to explain to my kids why I'm so sad. I think I made a conscious decision that for now, I would explain about love and empathy, about how when people don't understand, they get mad, they do terrible things. But I haven't quite talked about race yet. And I haven't quite talked about that in the granular way. I think for me, I, I, I feel like I felt like I wanted to give them just this tiny blip in their childhood where they truly don't care, where it doesn't matter and it doesn't affect their lives. I, I've never known it not to affect my life. You know, when I moved here to this country, I didn't speak English. You know, I was in ESL and, you know, it was always, it, always a stamp on my forehead. It was always something I had to deal with as a five-year-old, as a six, I always had to deal with race, with my culture, my language, and trying to figure out how to navigate that. And I see my kids now and like, they're, they're it's such a different context. So I don't know if it's the right way, but it feels like the right way for now. And when those conversations happen, I'm glad I get to be the person to explain it. And I'm glad that I get to be the person to put it into context for them. Like that's, you know, I, I, 
I don't have any worries about whether my children will grow up with an, an incredible amount of empathy and intelligence when it comes to understanding someone else's perspective, not perfection, but I hope that there is something that I can, you know, share with them that I've, I've had, but they're never going to, they, 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 I, I always think I'm like, I wonder what their experience is going to be like. I really don't know. I really don't know. And I don't know. And I see their school, which is super diverse, you know, even in this kind of not diverse city that we've moved to during the pandemic, their school is really diverse. They go to a public school. It, it, it It's more diverse than it was when I was in LA even, you know, definitely like economically diverse, you know, which I think is also a diversity that's super important to me. And so we'll see as, 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 as time progresses, but yeah, I think every parent has to, I have, I have friends who live in New York where you can't, you can't put a pause on that conversation. You know, if they're like, we're not getting on the subways anymore. And this is the reason why, you know, this is what's happening that, you know, so I think that every family, you, you have to sort of sit with what your kids are understanding and what your kids, the world that they live in. You know, we, so it's a little bit different and there is no prescriptive formula. I think for it. No. And even just what these, like this whole generation of kids have been through in the last couple of years of just, we, you know, a, a COVID generation, like there, there is no handbook for that. There's no parenting book. Missed that book in the aisle, you know, having babies, like what to do when there's a global pandemic. So there, I feel like this is already such just on a conscious level, a more open generation of kids who are just, you know, thirsty for knowledge and experience and, you know, to what you're saying, empathy and a greater understanding of the world and who they are in it. And that is is a beautiful thing, a wildly terrifying thing to parent, but but a beautiful thing for them. And at least you always have in your back pocket, like video footage of you interviewing, like, you know, maybe a little Britney Spears here, maybe some ex-Tina. You'd be like, mom is cool. OK, <laughs> mom's cool. We're going to take a quick break. We'll be right back in just a minute. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Flexibility is great. That's why there's yoga. Flexibility for your insurance coverage is great too. That's why there's United Healthcare Insurance Plans. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, United Healthcare Insurance Plans offer flexible, budget friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. One of these plans may be right for you if you're, say, between jobs, coming off your parents' plan, turning a side hustle into a full hustle, or even missed open enrollment. Want more flexibility? Find out more about United Healthcare Insurance Plans at uh1.com. Mom deserves better than a drugstore card. This Mother's Day, surprise her with a truly special personalized card from Moonpig. Add your favorite photos, a heartfelt message, and we'll even mail it for you the same day, all for just $5. From mom to grandma, we have something to celebrate every mom in your life. 
Every mom deserves a Moonpig card. Get 50% off your first card at Moonpig.com. Moonpig.com And we're back. What do you think of you know, how journalism is approached today, like comparing your experience of how news would travel, you know, then. And also you you started in. Did you start at MTV in 2000 or was it 2001? I started in. 2001. But yeah. I basically was going to like pre or post 9-11 because that was a it was months wow. before. Oh, it was I, I did my first show in May of 2001. And it was like it was like MTV, some anniversary of theirs. It was either 20 or 25. I forget what it was. We had they had a big live show and it was like May or June. And then, yeah, that was my first year. And so that even just the shift year. in journalism at that point mm-hmm. was huge yeah, living in to New York. witness. And living in New York yeah. and, and working like Times Square. I yeah. mean, I can't imagine. But then to even cut to now and seeing how quickly news travels, how immediately everything's online. How do you how do you think you would have approached journalism today? Like, can you even imagine yourself at that level of, you know, of journalism trying to keep up? I know. I, I don't, you know, that's such a great question. I don't think I've, I've thought about it. I mean, I think in some ways, okay, you know, when I was coming up, you know, you had your ABC, NBC, CBS, right? You had your network news. I mean, that was like the gold standard, right? We grew up, you know, with parents, you know, that generation, they watched the evening news like that was where they got their news. Right. And so read the newspaper. Yeah. Yeah. And they read the newspaper. And so that was that. So there was like a there was a funneling of of news. Right. In the sense that like you could like there were just a few places, a few doors that you could go through and, and really have an impact in news. And in some ways, that's pretty powerful. But in other ways that is really scary because then you have a very small group of people that hold all that power, right? So you can look at it both ways. Now, right, you have an infinite number because, you know, some of the biggest places of news is on TikTok. You know, there are TikTok news desks that are, that get millions of views and you could be wildly incorrect and untrained and... (laughs) you know, completely biased and spouting just opinions as fact. Or you could be a non-binary poli-sci major with a PhD in, you know, science and whatever it is also doing the news. Do you know what I'm saying? Like, there are these extreme versions of what news means now. I remember, I remember when I was on TRL and Britney Spears had given birth to, I don't remember if it was her first or her second child, but I remember we had been hearing it on this new thing, Twitter, and it was everywhere. And our rule was in the newsroom that if you couldn't confirm with a source that was reliable, that you couldn't report it. Like 
that just you just didn't like that you had rules on how you reported the news and the day was going and we were trying to reach her people and trying and they weren't calling us back. Nobody was confirming and everyone is reporting this, you know, Perez Hilton, you know, Twitter, like everyone is reporting that Britney Spears has had a baby and I'm about to go on TRL, right? As we said, I know this doesn't sound like a big deal, but trust me, like I'm about to go on like the biggest quote unquote radio show in the world. And I can't say that the biggest pop star on the planet that has been here from the beginning, from her like very first... The princess the of TRL. Yes. If Madonna was the queen, yes. she's the princess. The yes. princess of TRL. Like the one that was formed here. Her career launched here. And we, you know, I cannot confirm that this milestone has happened to her fans. I was just thinking, I was like, this is done. We're done. Like, where do we go from here? And and I remember that moment really clearly. I didn't announce it. I don't think I ever did. I can't remember. There was such a like scramble up until the last moment. I don't know if in the end we said that there were, you know, but there was a really big debate upstairs. Like we absolutely cannot go on and say we're a news organization if our sources aren't. And we're MTV, you know, like yeah. you would think that. <laughs> That having drunk pop stars on live TV, you know, would give us some, some, some grace, but no, not in the newsroom. That's not how it was run. And so, you know, you think about that and you think about what it is now, you know, so I don't know. I mean, listen, there's just really, it's just really great that it's like more accessible and it's democratized, but I really mourn the the loss of credible news. I really mourn the the sort of the few places that you knew that were going to be completely source checked. Um, and and that's fewer and fewer. There still are places, but the country we're also fragmented now. We all have our own channels of news. That's the thing. We all have our own own stations, if you will. Right, like yeah. your feed. Whatever you curate you're, your news, you curate. To what that's you it. Want. Yes, that's it. Twenty four seven. You get exactly the and whatever your viewpoint about life is, almost undoubtedly, your newsfeed will reflect that you are absolutely correct, a hundred percent. And it doesn't matter what you believe in. And so, yeah. that's really scary. Yeah. It's also such an interesting time where everyone feels entitled to share their opinion on every single, uh, you know, thing that has gone on. I mean, I, you know, not even to get into the actual conversation of, you know, the Amber Heard, John, Johnny Depp trial, wherever anyone falls on that. It's just to st- take a step back and see how we as a society have taken in the trial and then also how the media outlets have pr- promoted and also how the media outlets have shared the coverage of this trial. Yeah. It is, gosh, it's a bizarre, yeah. bizarre time. I, I also, too, like, you know, I was thinking about, you know, even CNN, which sounds so old now, but, you know, when CNN launched and it was like a 24-hour news cycle, you cannot produce news with any amount of credibility when you're having to refresh your page 16 times a day, five times a day, even I would argue three times a day. But now you're asking, now the audience is asking for news every time you refresh your page or every time you turn on, you know, your channel, you want 
you want fresh news. And that fresh news, by the way, let's say, take the example of Johnny Depp and Amber Heard. It, it's it's a trial that lasted X amount of days, but they need to get as much out of it, right? Like nothing, a lot of times nothing, it was just regurgitating. But I think in that regurgitating and trying to fill 24 hours of news, you, you're going to have to resort to opinion and you're going to have to resort to unsourced facts. You can't do it. It's it's physically impossible. There would be dead air. You would ha- you you wouldn't have anything to report. And so I think in some ways all of it, like blogging, YouTube, social, cable, twenty four hour news. That twenty four hour news cycle, which we didn't grow up with. I didn't grow up with as a young person. Like you know, you had your evening news, and that was where you got your news. But that twenty four hour feeding that beast. You cannot feed it with just facts because it's not 24 hours of facts. Like nothing has changed <laughs> from three hours ago, but you need to have a new a new refresh on it. So then it's like, OK, well, we don't have any new facts on the trial, but why don't we ask, you know, his fans what they think they're OK. We OK. Now we got that. All right. So now we need to refresh again. Why don't we uh, how about the pets of Johnny Depp? You know what I mean? So now you're yeah. just like, why am I going into this weird hole? <laughs> why am because- I watching a woman standing outside of the courthouse with a llama? Like, wh- yeah, how did why? I get here? How did I why? get here? Why? <laughs> but that's how you got oh, there. You have to refresh. God, can we just go back to the TRL days and I can just like (laughs) hang out with you every day for a little bit? That would be great. But a positive thing that I do think that we get to benefit of these days, which ties into your amazing podcast, Add to Cart, um, is that everything is also at our fingertips when we want to do a little shopping. So (laughs) I love that you the concept of just kind of talking about what we were all adding to our carts in in quarantine. I had a few wild things like, you know, a balloon animal making kit in Door for laser once. tag to keep my daughter entertained. <laughs> oh. I I literally was watching YouTube videos and I had this whole kit and a CD of like how oh, to make yeah. balloon animals. I'm like, yeah. what a time. <laughs> so I have to ask, you know, if you can, without spoiling whatever episodes you're recording right now, what is in your cart right now? What have you been shopping for? What have summer I been sh- of 2022? Yeah, summer of, okay, there's, there's just so many sunscreens, so many different <laughs> sprays, bombs, sticks, waterproof. You know, I mean, you know, my kids, you know what I mean? It's like sunscreen, sunscreen oh, yeah. station. We have a sunscreen station now. A friend of mine was like, make a sunscreen station by the door. I was like, okay, okay, got it, got it. Yes, I'll make a sunscreen station by the door. So there's a lot of that. I'm getting ready for our first kind of trip on a plane, <sighs> which I'm so I've canceled this trip so many times in my brain. I don't know. Anyway, so it's it's a lot of that stuff, you know? The wipes, Just like the masks, the, masks, the shields, nasal sprays. Gloves, yeah. There's this new product called Fend. Have you heard of this? Where like no. you basically, yeah, look it up. It's very interesting. But basically you inhale a mist. You don't spray it up your nose. It's not a nasal spray. You inhale a mist. And the mist is, is so fine that it coats your upper respiratory system, which is where COVID is, um, you know, you can be most vulnerable to that. And so, you know, stuff like that, you know, vitamin D drops, like, you know, I'm, I, I, you, if you're not on lifospheric vitamin C gel packets, then I, then I what don't are we doing? know what, okay. why, why are you leaving the house? How, uh, why are you, le- you're not on the vitamin C gel packets? 
pills, pills, pills. That was that was 2018. Okay, we are we need gels now. We're in the so future now. We're yeah. in the future. So it's stuff like that. Lots of sun hats. I have so many sun oh, hats. Yeah. So it's just it's kind of it's kind of a mishmash of things. But yeah, summer is definitely every season is just another season to load your cart up. <laughs> Candice, when are you ever not shopping? And and I say this now. Think about it. Uh, think about all the open carts you have, all the mm-hmm. apps where you have stuff in there. You're not. You may not be looking at it now, but I would say technically, as we're here talking, you're still shopping. Like. You have a cart that's open that's filled with something you may or may not purchase. Yes. No, I have an entire cart of swimsuits that I just let sit there. Yes, I then too. Yes. I never have to put them on if they're in the cart. And I get to imagine myself in them, but in the way that I look in my head when I'm in them as opposed to real life. And then the other thing is chairs are a very big thing. So like I'm new to Tennessee and and I don't have any good like all the moms like come to every hang with like a chair with the kids. Oh Wait, did you oh, find God. one? I have so gone I through so got, many chairs. Okay, I will send what? you. I just got one that was advertised to me on Instagram today and it it's backpack version, comes with like a little shade on top, got a little cup cooler. I think this is the one. So that's also in my cart ready, locked and loaded for when we're done here. Mama's going to buy some chairs. The chairs, you guys, for those that are listening that understand, <laughs> there are 4 billion different types of chairs out there. Yes. And yet, and yet Never I have gone, one. I, I, and I don't own one still. I have returned yeah. so many chairs. Uh-huh. Okay, so I'm like, you know what? Maybe it's online. Have I been to every single REI available to me in a hundred mile radius and sat in their campfire of chairs? REI. I, I mean, I've done it, guys. I've been to the holy land of portable chairs. Still. I respect that. Yeah, it's so Still hard. no chair. It's, it's hard. so hard, you know, but one day you will find, we will find the uh, Well, I chair. think you found it for me. This is why I, know, I started the podcast. <laughs> I love the, the young one. The, the youth that are listening are like, wait, there's this time where you had to watch TV at a certain time of day and then you get older and all you care about are chairs. Yes, guys. It, yes. It comes faster than you think. Yes, Swift in the night. You'll wake up in the morning, be like, God damn it. I need a chair. Where was that podcast I was listening to? It comes really quick. And you're welcome is all we can say. <laughs> but Suchin, thank you so much. It is oh. truly, I it's such a delight and an honor to be able to sit with you today on this call. You're incredible. I, and it, it truly, like, I immediately have felt like I'm just what, coming home and got to watch TV again. Like, I, I just have this rush of endorphins having oh. the opportunity to speak with you. So thank you. Thank and you. Where can our listeners follow you on socials if they don't yes. already? Well, I'm, uh, I'm at Sujin Pak on Instagram and then at Add to Cart Pod is our podcast. And Add to Cart, you can stream it wherever you stream all of our favorite podcasts, including this one. So yeah, that's it, though, for now. Oh, and the book. And the book, you, you'd mentioned it, is out. We, it's called My Life Growing Up Asian in America. <laughs> I was like, here it is. But wait, we're on a podcast, you guys. I'm not awake. My Life Growing Up Asian in America. You can get it, you know, anywhere. And it's just a fantastic, I don't know, it's a fantastic collection of essays. I think you guys will love it. Well, that was a freaking treat. Guys, I don't, Thank you. Under, like my heart is still going a million miles an hour. If I could tell my young self that I would be hanging out with Suchin Pak today, 
I mean, I don't think she would have believed it. There really was a time where you would come home from school and you would sit in front of the TV and you'd see the same host every single day. You'd watch this music video countdown and you'd see the same videos and you'd see all your favorite pop stars and rock stars and celebrities. And it was just this like pure hour, maybe even hour and a half of magic and and so just hearing Suchin's voice brought me back to that moment. And it was so nice. You know, you wouldn't even be on your phone. You'd actually be watching TV without scrolling a phone. You know, if anything, you might call a friend and you would both be on the phone together while you're watching the same episode of TRL. It was just a very, very different time. But so cool to be able to have the experience to speak with Suchin today. And, and truly, I, I got the book that she wrote the essay for on audiobook. It's fantastic. It is called My Life Growing Up Asian in America. So you can buy it at any bookstore. You can buy it online, add it to cart. You can absolutely add that to your cart. You can also listen to it um, as an audiobook. And speaking of adding to cart, check out Sujin's podcast, Add to Cart, anywhere that you listen to podcasts. It's very true. We are always shopping. I didn't really think about it that way until I realized how many carts I have open currently that uh, that maybe I'll just have to go and take a sneak peek at when we're done recording this episode. Well, guys, thank you so much for joining us today. Please take care of yourselves. And next week, we will have an all new episode of Directionally Challenged waiting for you. Directionally Challenged is a production of Pineapple Productions. Produced by Melissa D. Mons. Edited by Diane King. Post-production sound by Chris Henry. Music by Joe King. And advertising partnership with Acast. Acast.